each one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning, everyone. I'm really looking forward to the show today. Uh, I'm Lynn Wedham, and I'm your host on Step Right with Lynn. I'm a financial planner specializing in retirement income and legacy planning. I love working with people like our guests today. Uh, the show today is called More Than Just Schools, and we have two wonderful guests. I look forward to your questions and comments. Contact me anytime by email at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Feel free to join our online chat today. Find the chat button on the A to Zen website. By phone, join us at 613-800-8736. The project we're going to learn about today takes place in a very remote area in the desert of Pakistan and serves some of the poorest children in the world. Uh, the goals are to provide fresh drinking water, water for household use, free education from kindergarten to grade 10, free basic medical care, free body hygiene and dental care, free vision care, free books, bags, uniforms and shoes, free vaccinations um, up to a Canadian standard, and a free protein-rich meal one or two times a month. Now, there's really nothing on this list that we don't take for granted as Canadians. Um, some of this list has been achieved, and some of the uh, things on the list is still a vision. Uh, there's little hope for these children without help. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce our listeners to two of my favorite people, Anwar and Ismat Dost. Um, as we chat today with Anwar and Ismat, they're going to tell you about the clinics and the schools that they have established in Pakistan. So I'm going to tell you a bit about what I know about their activities here in Canada. Um, Anwar and Ismat came to Canada in 1968. Anwar earned a master's degree in nuclear chemistry at the University of Waterloo. Ismat worked as a doctor at McMaster University and earned accreditation as a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons. Anwar then went to the University of Toronto for his master's in pharmacy, and Ismat worked at the hospital for sick children for one year. Uh, completing her accreditation in 1973, Ismat returned to MAC where she became the first chief resident in pediatrics. She also worked for two years with the late Dr. Jerry Dolovic, then the world's leading authority on allergies and in immunology. Ismat started practicing in Brantford in 1975 and Anwar set up Senpro Pharmacy the following year. It's a busy pharmacy where everyone wants to speak to Anwar. He's a leader, a landlord, a developer, and most importantly, a philanthropist. Ismat is a pediatrician who specializes in allergies. She's known in the community for the special care that she provides. 
Anwar and Ismat have worked to provide medication, supplies, and money to many causes. There was a tsunami in 2004, Hurricane Katrina in 2005, an earthquake in Pakistan in 2005. They helped with all of those. They also serve at a soup kitchen. They are well known in the community for their kindness. Anwar and Ismat were awarded peace medals by the YMCA and the City of Brantford in 2011. In 2012, they received a Zellers Award from the Kiwanis Club of Cambridge. Anwar was also presented with the Queen's Jubilee from the federal provincial governments in 2012 and the Best Social Worker Award from the Government of Pakistan for his work specifically in the prevention of blindness. When they look back on their lives, Anwar and Ismat will know without a doubt that they truly did make a difference in the world, and uh, we're pleased to have them here to tell us uh, about that work in Pakistan. So good morning, Anwar. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks very much for giving us the opportunity to speak to your listeners, and good morning to the listeners. Yes, and, and good morning, Ismat. Good morning, Lynn, and good morning, listeners. We are here to talk about our projects. And because Edward yeah. is a good speaker, I let him speak, and then you can ask me, and I can answer some specific questions that uh, he uh, would refer back to me. Okay, that's great. Um, so where did this all begin? Well, Lynn, it's a long story, uh, Ismet, after getting her gradu- getting her FRCP from Royal College of Physician and Surgeon, started practicing in Brantford. Every Christmas and New Year holiday, she'll go back and establish a camp or workshop uh, in some hub- clinics or some villages. This is how it started and she'll spend two weeks of her time. And when she comes back, she was kind of sad and depressed that the suffering which she see over there and the lack of medical care, she was very, very upset. And she decided that she wants to do something for her home country. That's mm-hmm. how it started. Okay. Um and so then clinics were set up. Yes. What actually happened was, uh, just to go back, a little back, when there was a big earthquake in Pakistan, my parents who happened to be here and other family members, through them I sent the medical supplies to the earthquake area. Ismet went there. All those medications were delivered there, and she was in so much shock that the devastation, the fire, the small, the rotting human bodies, and the burning flesh, she could not stand that, and 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 she was so upset. Anyway, she worked there for almost three to four weeks, and. After that, I also went there and visited the camps and the suffering. Mm -hmm. Believe me or not, back home, the the rich the person is, he built the home on the top of the mountain. And in the earthquake, 
the earth opened and they were all swallowed up and wow. in a matter of few seconds and it it's hard to describe mm-hmm. the scene and that's how she started then she went to karachi to see her brother and he okay. said my god you want to see the suffering come on with me and he took them to a village called nuriyabad in the suburb of nuriyabad how the people were living and where they were drinking water i cannot even describe that the water they were drinking was from the pond and that was collected from the rain and believe me or not the children were taking a bath in it the animals were <laughs> taking a bath in that and people mm-hmm. were using that water for cooking wow. and no wonder there was so much uh, water borne disease it was hard to believe yes but there wasn't a choice either yes so yeah. after seeing that the what she decided first she talked to the uh, mill owner if he can give us one connection of what fresh water for the villagers somehow her charming personality impressed him and he made a special pipe of water uh, outside the mill and the people were coming with their pots and pans on donkey <laughs> carts to get the fresh water right. so so the number one priority for us was we spread the word around and we chose two or three places and start digging for fresh water mhm luckily at one place we got the water and it was i think at that time 400 feet deep you can wow. imagine wow. and unfortunately it was a salty water so anyway we have the reverse osmosis and we got the fresh water for cooking and mm-hmm. and they were using the salt water for bathing and washing their clothes and this is how it's all started okay so uh, waters was first and then next came some clinics yes actually um, as i mentioned to you that uh, that textile mill which was making towels or so she treated the one of the family member of the owner and somehow again my wife convinced him if he can give us two rooms so we can make a school for the children mm-hmm. somehow he agreed and i cannot explain the excitement on the face of my wife when he <laughs> agreed that we bought the chairs we hired the teachers and so forth right in the meantime where we found the water uh and what we did uh, ismat uh, hired a colleague of her to come to that village twice a week and we specialist established the dispensary i took a lot of medication and we bought from the local market the medication the villagers were so happy 
After six months, when I visited the place, the people were lined up to meet me. At that time, I was emotionally very upset because my mother passed away recently. Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, Mr. Dost, your wife has got us fresh water, and doctor comes in and give us the medicine. If you can make few rooms so our children can be taught in the school. So mm-hmm. I said, okay. And believe me or not, uh, within six months, four-room school was established. And I would like to add here, in order to get the hydro, we have to get the hydro from 15 kilometers. Mm-hmm. In Pakistan, wow. you have to know your connection. If you have the connection and the right people, you can get work done in days, not in years. Anyway, this is how we had the opening of the second school uh, with three teachers. And at that time, we had, I think it was 2006 or 2007, I'm not sure exactly. And we had the opening ceremony, which was Mm -hmm. the ribbon cutting was done. Uh, right. by Ismat parents and my uncle and the elder, the leader of the village. Okay. So that's how it started, the second school, which is called Bashirun Nisa Dost School. Okay. And you cannot imagine the excitement and, and the, it's hard to explain that feeling that yeah. God has given me the opportunity to give the opportunity to other people to come to the school. The reason is that for every one seat in the school, there are 50 students, and the competition is so tough, and I will say that 49 students, it was mean life sentence for illiteracy. And that really bothered me. I Mm -hmm. said to myself, no matter what, I will never refuse any child education. And that's how in the middle of the desert, we started this school. In the first year, there were 50 students. Mm -hmm. And once we had the school, we had the fresh water, and we had the, what you call, medical uh, dispensary, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the villager got so impressed that they changed the name of the village to Dr. Ismat Dost Village. They call it oh. GOAT. And wow. that's how it started. Well, that's wonderful. We're going to go to a break now, a short break, Anwar, and then um, we'll hear more about the story after the break. Okay. And we seem to be having some technological challenges with our breaks. It's not going to happen. We're not going to have a break anymore. We're going to keep going. So that's okay. great. Um, so now... 
so is this the second school then? Are we on to the second school? I know there's there's more than one, right? Yes. Uh, here I'll ask Ismet to answer that. And okay. Ismet, do you want to go ahead? Uh, so is Ismet, uh, how how did we come about to have a second school? Okay, so this third. is the second school. So the third school, because the owner of the first school, the mill or the factory where the first school was located, he passed away. And oh. we weren't sure whether we should put more money there to construct a high school. So Anwar and my brother had bought a land about half a mile away from the original first school. So we built another school uh, in 2010. Now, my brother couldn't supervise. He was ill here in Canada, and we discovered later on that the 13-room school that was built was uh, faulty, and so after a year, we decided that that had to be demolished. So we demolished that, and the new school now is registered up to grade 8. It has 12 rooms. Uh, once a computer lab and a science lab is established, they will recognize or give us the registration for grade 10. And we're already thinking of making a vocational school because after grade 10, what would the kids do? Uh, they, they have to have some skills. So right. I'm going in two days, and we are going to decide that out of the 12 rooms, a couple rooms will be made as a vocational school location till we have enough funds to put in a vocational separate school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also have a clinic. The doctor comes three times a week. Uh, and we are hoping that once the school is done, because we can't start another, uh, a clinic because we want to make an urgent clinic or urgent care because it is located on a highway and there are a lot of accidents with no medical facilities around. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we have to complete the school. We, we can't do two projects at the same time. So we thought okay. once the school is completed, then we will build an urgent care, at least three beds with, you know, stabilizing the patient and having someone there 24 hours. So that's our vision. I don't know whether in my lifetime it will be completed or not. But we <laughs> as a whole well, well, are if, all if, together if, working to if establish. We, yeah, if we think about what you have already accomplished, I think it could very well happen in your lifetime. Thank you very much. Thanks. You've and accomplished then we a very applied to the CRA after establishing everything in 2011 or 10, I think, and it, they gave us uh, a charitable organization status and a number. Mm -hmm. It was in 2012. So we are a charitable organization at the moment, uh, and we will... Uh, we are hoping that uh, if we can raise some funds, then we can build our urgent care as well in near future. Uh, right. I would like Anwar to add on to this now. Uh, Lynn, I would, and the listener, I would like to add, at the present time, in one of the rooms, we are running a dispensary where the doctor is coming three times a week. We keep a record of patients seen and the problem they had and the what medication they are given. Uh, luckily, uh, when I was there in February, I saw they were seeing between 50, oh, sorry, 75 to 100 patients a day. And in February, I was very lucky. 
Actually, Brentford people and the drug companies are very liberal and generous with me. One drug company gave me antibiotic worth $25,000, which I took it over there. Most of the time, we buy whatever medication I can muster here in Canada, uh, and the rest of them we buy in the local market. So at the present time, we have a dispensary, and you can see that in three days, we see close to 25 to 300 patients a day. And wow. as, yeah, as Ismat pointed out, because of the earthquake area, we wanted to be 100% sure the skeleton, the school could stand the earthquake. And mm-hmm. that's the reason uh, that we redid uh, at the present time four rooms. They are very well done, hydro, everything, TV, VCR, all these facilities are there. In this complex of, I think it's 30 to 40 acres of land, which is on the main highway linking from Karachi all the way to Afghanistan, every day over 10,000 trucks pass by. And mm. the school location is in between the two big cities. And actually, we have been approached by the uh, military that if we can establish a first aid clinic there, so the, the people who have been involved in accident, we can stabilize them or can send back to the teaching hospital in Karachi, which is mm-hmm. 10 times or I'll say at least 50 times bigger than Toronto, or to Hyderabad, which is 10 times bigger than Toronto. So this wow. is, so in order to do that properly, and having a 24-hour ambulance, uh, we need funds. And again, I'll say that we have been very blessed in Brantford that our patients, our friends, our colleagues have been quite generous with us. And now we have got a charitable status, so anybody who gives us any money over $20, they are given a tax-deductible receipt. We accept every every penny. doesn't matter if somebody gives me a dollar and he says, I'm sorry, this is what I can afford. I said to them, listen, with this $1, I can feed one person. Mm-hmm. So this is how it's going. And as... Isma pointed out she is going this Friday, and she wants to decide what we are, what we'll be doing. Now, right. again, as I mentioned, although this school is only 60 kilometers from Karachi Airport, but I tell you, <laughs> the in terms of the area. I'll say that it's 100 year old. People are living in shack, and they have absolutely no concept of school. Mm-hmm. I would here. I would like to add my personal story. My mother, who never put her foot in the school, we had seven of our siblings, and she made sure that all of us were educated. 
and I'm pleased to say that that all of us have master's degree either in chemistry or in physics, engineering, education, and geography, all those things. And right. again, in grandchildren, I'm so proud that we have nine people or nine grandchildren who are doctor. Four of them are here. Five, actually, five of them are here. Five of them are practicing back home. They are, one is a gynecologist, one is a general surgeon, one is an ophthalmologist, and the other one, my son, neurologist. And we all take turns going for two to four weeks. All I have asked all my children and all my friends, all I need is two weeks of their time. They just go there and serve the humanity. That's, That's the wonderful. main purpose of this thing, yeah. this so charity. So it it a lot of this stems from your mother um and her emphasis that education was important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, so, actually so my father in 1934 did his master in physics and my wife, my father-in-law, he was the first student who did master's uh, bachelor in engineering. So from there, we knew the value of education. And mm -hmm. that's how we, my mother knew that, that without education, you cannot survive in this world. Doesn't matter, you know, you have to know, you have to get education. Without education, I mean, you are a big, big handicap. Right. And... Let me ask you, uh, Anwar and Ismat, you both have so many commitments. This is a question from one of our callers. Um, with all of your commitments and, and the work and all of the things that, that are taking up your time, what compels you to commit so fully to this project? When I was, I used to run camps, as Anwar pointed out. And when my brother said that you should come to this part, Sindh, of Pakistan, which is a desert, uh, you will know what's going on. So what I didn't realize at the time, this was my first camp in this part. And I asked a very young fellow, maybe he was 18 or 20, and I said, I'm very busy, can you write your name? And he said, uh, I can't. And I thought he was, you know, kid, not a westernized child probably, because by then I had forgotten back home that kids are not educated for many reasons. And he and I said, why Why can't you? I thought he was defiant. And I said, why don't you want to write your name? And he said, because I'm not educated. So I said, well, why didn't you go to school? And he said, well, I don't have any school here around 50 miles. I said, you could have gone to the city. He looked at me and said, I can't even afford one meal a day. I could have gone to the city. Mm -hmm. So I sat back and I thought, you know, that, we are in Canada, and we have forgotten everything around us that how people who are desperate to go to school have not gone. So since then, we committed, both of us and our families, that we are going to run school and clinics, and we are going to be doing the best we could. We also work in the community of Brantford and try to do whatever we can here as well. Uh, but every three monthly, one of us 
go to make sure that the same mistake does not occur, that uh, we had to demolish a whole school and lost a lot of um, money doing that. Yeah, uh, one and, of my and, brother and time. Was, so, yeah. Because we have, you know what, we have seen both sides, and we are so lucky here in Canada. One day someone said, I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell. Anwar turned around and said, we are in heaven already. And, you know, you see both sides. You don't know how lucky we are here. You know, we have, we can have a, uh, we, we go to bed, which is warm. Uh, if it's hot, we can turn on the AC. That's not the case there. People live in shacks. They don't even more, more than, they don't have more than one pair of clothing that they're wearing. They don't even have a full meal a day. And when you stay there and look at all that, you think, my God, you know, I have to do the best I can, and it's power of one. If one gets educated, then he or she will teach another one, then two, and then it goes to four and eight, and it multiplies. And each time you go, you, your commitment gets more strengthened by seeing the conditions in which those people are living. Right. Okay. Um at this point, I think it's a, a time that we will uh, take a break at this point, um, catch your breath, and we will um, talk more about the challenges in that area uh, when we come back. Um, so is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you are incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in to Step Right with Lynn, that's me, every Wednesday at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on a to zenfm now, back to my current show with my guests, Anwar and Ismat Dost. So, uh, we're back from our, our break. Um, our show today is entitled, More Than a School. Uh, Anwar and Ismat have been telling us about their work in Pakistan, um, some of the setbacks that they had with um, you know, one school that wasn't really built to what we would call code, I guess, here in in uh, in Canada. Um, now, um, Ismat, you were telling us about vocational schools. I mean, that's part of the dream that we that we have these vocational schools as well. What kind of skills will uh, will be taught at the vocational school when um, when that yes. happens? Yeah, we we are planning that uh, because this school is close to a highway. So if children or, or whoever wants to learn sewing, plumbing, electric, and automotive to begin with, and mm-hmm. also a little bit medical aid, first aid you can say, or a course for a year of nursing. So as there are no clinics for 50 miles or no physicians, even if the kids themselves are taught enough, then they can teach in our in this particular school, or they can work as a nurse in the school, uh, or around the area because there are a lot of uh, factories as well as uh, stations for the gas and 
uh, automotive areas and they get at least a job because just going to grade 10 without any skills, they won't get a job. So we decided at least they should have some skills, uh, including, you know, computers, so they, mm -hmm. they can get a job. Wow. Yeah, that's excellent. These are all visions and dreams. I don't know what will what would be accomplished, but hopefully someone else will take over and continue, we are hoping. Yes, yes. Um, and Anwar, you know, said a dollar will feed a person. Absolutely. And, and I, um, what I like about the thought of giving a dollar towards this project is that we have the water we you know there is a vision for the future and there is the background the medical care is there um as well so the the whole project works together in your vision um so who are the teachers who's teaching at the school okay lynn uh it's a very good question uh since they speak Hindi, the official language of Pakistan is Urdu, and the working language is English. So it's very important for a teacher to understand and read and write in these three languages. Their mother tongue, Sindhi, then Urdu, the official language of Pakistan, and the English. We are putting a big emphasis on English and also big emphasis, especially education for the girls. I mean, we don't have to go very far. I mean, the recent news in Nigeria, there are extremists who does not want female or the girls to be educated, and they think teaching them English or, or sending them to school is that you are teaching them Western culture. Mm -hmm. And... This is one of the biggest hurdles we have over there, and I'll explain to you a little bit what the life of those children are. Okay. Since there is so much poverty, the moment the child is born, and age four and five, the parents buy them goat or sheep, you know, babies, mm -hmm. and every morning give them some food, whatever they have, and ask them to go and take them to the field. So they spend all their time, you know, looking after the animal. The moment the girl turns 11 or 12, and again, I'm ashamed and I'm sorry to say that, I have seen people, men 60 years old, marrying a 14-year-old girl in my mind this is the exploitation it's not a marriage it's a modern type of prostitution the parents are helpless at least if they marry to an old man who has money or something at least his his or her child has a shelter food and clothes to wear and this right. this is how this circle was going on mm -hmm. so with the Education, at least, and they they can communicate. They, we can we open their eyes. For example, I take a lot of uh, videos from here. We have uh, TV, and they see all these 
Sesame Street and all these things. And that broadened their uh, knowledge that what's going on. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping one day, uh, you know, if, if any of these children, after finishing grade 10 or grade 12, down the road, go to the university, become a teacher, a doctor, and or policeman, or or some army officer, then they will realize. I think my dream has fulfilled. Yes, and, and in the school, Anwar, the boys and the girls are taught the same lessons. Is that true? Yes, they are taught the same lesson, and I tell you, we were very lucky. We were able to get a a female teacher, and I'll tell you her story too. She is a wife, fourth wife of one of the landlord. She is very pretty girl, and one day when I was sitting down, I asked her, um, now you have your bachelor's degree. You were trained, you were taught in military school, and how much your husband is educated. And she said, he is illiterate. And I said, what does he do? She said, nothing. And tears came to my eyes, and I asked her, tell me something. Why you married this man? I mean, you are pretty, you're educated, you could have found a nice, decent husband. She said, that my, I wanted to go to school, and my parents put a condition on me saying, listen, you can get education as much as you want, but there's one condition. When time to get married, we will decide to whom you will marry. And I'm really sorry to say that, but again, it's a blessing for our school through this teacher we are slowly trying to get the villager women to get involved in the community, use this school as a community center, and teach them basic hygiene. For example, one cannot imagine in Canada, in front of 40 students, the dentist comes in and shows them how to brush their teeth. Can you imagine? I mean, uh, giving them a bar of soap and a towel. I mean, it's, you cannot imagine. It's so exciting. And mm-hmm. tell them personal hygiene, how important it is. Right. Um, so you've told us a bit about what the students' lives were like before. Um, when when you speak to the to the girls especially in the class about the possibility of of being a doctor or a nurse can they accept that as a possibility yes actually this happened when i was in february in uh, i took one of my niece who is a, a medical doctor she's a surgeon she Although the second school, which is Bashirunisa School, uh, it's 15 miles on dirt road. Whenever the students see me coming, and there's a reason I don't announce when I'm coming to the school, 
there's a reason behind that. But anyway, they see my car and they started running. I think 20 or 30 students came back running to the school. So I asked them, I asked the students, first, I mean, my niece asked them to read English, math, and, and basic religious studies. And then we asked them, who wants to be a doctor? And you would not believe, I think there were seven or eight girls and boys who raised their hand that they want to be a doctor. <laughs> wow. I don't know whether you remember the picture which I showed that I told the student, listen, here is a doctor in front of you. You can ask them a question, what it's like to be a doctor. You mm -hmm. cannot imagine the impression uh, which I showed you in that picture, how tentatively they were looking at her, and they were so excited and envy of her that maybe someday I'll be a doctor. The reason is that in the village, the people who get most respect are the teachers, the police officer, army officer, or the doctors. So. Okay. It's it's hard to describe in word, but I think you have I have shown you the picture, and yes, you sir. can understand that picture. The impression of the girls were worth priceless. Yeah, their eyes were wide, wide and wide and uh, excitement showing in their faces for sure. Yeah, yeah. And this is what this is what keep me going. This is what keep my wife going. You know. Uh, there is a purpose on this earth, especially when you are cross 60 and you start to compare yourself. What was the purpose of our Lord to send us to this earth? There must be something. What's the difference between animal and human being? They are born without their wishes, so do we. I mean, when they are little animals, their parents or mother or father, whoever, I mean, teach them trick how to uh, earn or how to feed themselves. Our parents do the same thing. They taught us how to walk, how to speak, how to feed, and then our parents send us to school to get some education so we can earn our living. Then we grow up, we become young, we get married, same as the, we reproduce, same as the animals, they reproduce, and the life goes on. But there must be a purpose of God. There should be some difference in the human and the animal kingdom. And I'm sure when you will be someday in front of the Lord, and he'll ask you this question, Mr. Dost, I gave you power. I gave you respect. What did you do for my humanity? And that's the question and comes to my mind all the time. I can at least say, and I'm sure the people who are in the position of power, uh, as compared to the other people, they're the poor people, they'll say that, Lord, you never gave me enough. I barely had three meals a day. And I'm sure they are going to ask me, Mr. Dose, I gave you so much. What did you do for my humanity? And I'm sure he'll be asking me, did I, did I save humanity? And my feeling is that if I can save one person or if I can guide one person, 
I have saved the humanity. And this is my moral obligation that we should use our resources to save humanity. Doesn't matter what color, race, religion of any part of the world you are. Ismat would like to say something here. No, I agree with Anwar uh, that we are put here to, of course, help ourselves and our children and then uh, expand that circle uh, to other people who are less fortunate. It seems like that we should have started, instead of running the clinics every year and going in for a couple of weeks, that we should have started this long time ago, but I guess, you know, you get wiser as you get older. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think there's room for you to feel guilty about not stopping not starting sooner when you've accomplished so much. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's many there's many people that you have uh that you have affected here uh, even from the you know the most basic medical care that you were giving at the very beginning. Um Lynn, I would like to deal. say to our listener one thing. We all have dreams. We don't have a magic wand. We all want to do something. And we always say, okay, when I'll die, I'll donate this much money to this church or this charity. My advice to them is simple. Once you are gone, that money which you leave is useless for you. It's of no use. And God knows. Who is looking after their trust, whether it will be accomplished or not? My advice to them, whatever they can do in their life, give to their own charity or help the others who needs that. And I tell you, there is a great pleasure in giving instead of receiving. I cannot describe when we have Sunday soup kitchen, when Almost 150 to 200 people are there in Sydenham Church in Brantford every Sunday. And when they are served meal in a China, there a lot of them are students, single mothers, and unfortunate handicapped people. You cannot describe the feeling that God has given this opportunity to feed his people. And this is what the bottom line is. Whatever you want to do, do it in your life. doesn't matter whichever charity you, but don't wait that once I die, I'll donate this much to this school or this to this charity or this organization. That's the advice I'll give to all my listeners. Yeah, Be- because you, um, when, when you do something in your lifetime, you get to see it, right? And, and you, get to, right. Uh, you get to, uh, um, to appreciate that. Um, yeah, so the very next steps, Ismat is going to um, check out a room for the vocational school. Is that the very next step? Yes, because we can't uh, put, because there are financial restraints and we don't have the funds at the moment, we have a plan already in place uh, where to put in a vocational school, but as I pointed out, we can't afford it at this point, so we decided that we have about 15 rooms. The 12-room school that is almost completed uh, will be taking another three months. So by September, 
uh, we should be ready to move into that part. And a lot of rooms will be empty because the oldest child is in grade 7. Mm-hmm. So we can put that into a couple rooms into vocational uh, school. Uh, once that is done, and uh, we then have to now decide whether we should first build the clinic with the urgent care mm-hmm. and leave things the way they are and using the two rooms in the existing uh, school as a vocational part or not, but it will depend on the funds. So whether right. this vision is going to be uh, fulfilled or not, uh, I don't know. But at least we will have vocational st- We can started. dream about it. Yeah, we can dream about it and start yeah. something right now. Yeah. Now, as you said, the people of Brantford and the surrounding area have been very supportive of your work. Um, can you tell us a little more about that? Okay, Lynn, uh, uh, there are a lot of people, and especially I'll give you two examples. Uh, every t- time I go there, I take pictures and make them a, make a video. The, the high school, which is BCI school, uh, which is nearby, and I went there and gave them a talk, and then what the children decided, a student decided on their own, for in the lunch money, they saved, I think, $513 or something. And they invited us, and they gave us this money. And mm-hmm. I asked them, what shall I do with this money? And their unanimous decision was that since Halloween was coming, why don't you buy the candies or pop or something like that for them? And so... What I did with that money, I make a package in which there was pencil, pop, chips, candies, and we distributed to each and every child in the school and told them, this is a gift from BCI students for you, and it says to bring the smile on their face. (laughs) The other example is that if anybody needs the video, I have, they can contact me at seven, sorry, area code 519-759-1640, or they can email me uh, at senpro, C-E-N like Nancy, P-R-O 76 at hotmail.com. I'll send them those two videos, one about the school and the clinic, the other one about the uh, Islamabad Society for Prevention of Blindness at no charge to them, and they can see for themselves what we have accomplished so far. Anyway, I gave this video to one of my patients. She is a cancer survivor. Unfortunately, her son was involved in car accident, and he was uh, brain damaged. And as he grew up and become a teenage boy, he was getting into trouble with the police. And when he saw the, these videos with her mom, they started crying. Next day, they came to me that you brought tear in my eyes. I'm not a rich person, but I tell you what, they were, came to me and then they told my wife that I will donate $50 every month. And Again, as I pointed out, even $1, you know, don't be shy or embarrassed. You know, it will feed one person. 
Yes, we need the funds. Yes, we have to first complete the school. We have already completed the dormitory for the teachers to attract good teachers. And since this is in the middle of desert, I mean, the teachers live either in Karachi, 60 kilometers, or in Hyderabad. I mean, they have been provided a free accommodation there. And believe me, you can see on the video that that accommodation is as good as you can expect uh, according to Canadian standards. Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants, they can call me or email me, and I'll you know, send those videos at no charge to them. Also, yeah, perhaps go ahead. you could tell us the, the contact information again as well, Anwar. Okay. They can reach me at SendPro Pharmacy, and again, the phone number is 519-759-1640, or on my email, SendPro, C-E-N-P-R-O, 76 at hotmail.com and I'll be more than glad to send them that video so they can see what we have achieved so far. And that's and that's wonderful. Um we just we have we're just down to the last couple of minutes Anwar. I know you attend graduations um at the schools. How do you feel when you go there? Um, oh I tell you again, it's hard to describe. I think I have given you the video, and you can see the feeling, the expression, the happiness, and it's it's hard to describe. I mean, you feel you have accomplished something, and I have made so far uh, that every year at the graduation time, doesn't matter whether it's a kindergarten or grade one, I go there and give certificate to each and every student. And at the same time, there's a big feast at the end of the day. And they are so excited. The children, are, the students are so excited. And then they show to their friends and see I have passed uh, such and such grade and, uh, and about the feast. And this is our this is our our tradition so far, and I know my wife is going. Once she comes back, I'll be going back at the graduation time in June. That's hopefully. wonderful. Thank you, Anwar and Ismat, for sharing your story today. It's wonderful. We'll have to speak with you again to catch up on uh, what's happened since. Bye thank for you now. For the opportunity. Bye. Again, thank you very much, listeners, for giving us the opportunity to explain our side of the story. Remember, you are here to help each other. This is the message from God. Save.